Just a reminder that this podcast does not provide medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. This content is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. Please always seek the advice of your qualified medical provider if you have any questions concerning a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it based upon this information or anything on this podcast. The content presented on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, it's Kara Solomsas here, a certified health and wellness coach, and this is Tuning In From Within. Today we are featuring the brilliant Dr. Melvin Nario, who will be discussing the topic of well-being in medicine. Dr. Nario has his Doctor of Medicine from the University of Santo Tomas in Manila. He did his internship slash residency program in family medicine at the University of North Dakota in Bismarck. He studied acute classical homeopathy at the British Institute of Homeopathy. Welcome, Dr. Nario. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule to do this interview. Oh, it was a pleasure, Karen. So as you know, we are talking about our topic, well-being in medicine, and based off your experiences too, I'm really curious how you ultimately ended up in homeopathic medicine from your trajectory of conventional medicine in the beginning. Mm, that's, a, that's a pretty good question. It started really when I was in, in training, like in residency, that I, I was seeing patients and I was seeing patients who actually were just giving Band-Aids, meaning I was one of them too, giving them pain pills, treatment for uh, diabetes and hypertension. And I always see them coming back to the clinic with the same problem over and over again. And I actually saw this, but some of my colleagues didn't. I was asking them about this specific issue, but they were also in that same conventional mindset that everybody is onto when you're doing medicine. But the, the biggest test for me was when I was in Las Vegas and I was seeing patients there and I was working and it was a very, a very hectic practice. And the stress, the lifestyle, you know, in Vegas, everything happens there. It's just 24-7. It's just stress over, over and over again. That's where I actually gained weight. If you believe it or not, I was 160 pounds. And I actually had my blood drawn. Of course, my, my colleagues are also my doctors. They actually saw my blood test and they diagnosed me almost with high cholesterol high blood pressure, and also even with liver issues. Just because of the diet, the lifestyle, of course, you go out with friends over there, and you don't eat the best diet and no exercise. It's all working. So during that time, I, I actually was talking to a colleague, and he said, man, you need to start on medicines. And that shifted everything around. I was sitting on the side of the doctor's chair. Suddenly, I flipped over. To the patient's side. Now I was hearing all of these things that, all right, now we're going to give you this medicine. We're going to check your liver. You better be coming back uh, here every two to three months. And that's when you realize that, man, this medicine is not safe. They're going to check my liver when I take it. And then that's when I turn around. And I actually called up Dr. Cora, who here in Reno, 
who owns this practice that I'm working in now. And I asked her, hey, is there another way to deviate from this? And is there a natural way to achieve healing from all these conditions that I got diagnosed with? And I guess that's a spark to the flame. Now I'm here. Everything that I'm doing here with my patients, I've done it myself on my end. Yeah, on my, I guess I experimented. I was a lab rat of my, of my own doing. And all of this, now I'm, I got out of that funk. I don't have those problems anymore. And still trying to live healthy. But I saw the light and this is it. That is so fascinating because I have heard from other providers too that started in conventional medicine and them having that personal experience that really shifted their perspective on their approach. Yep, and nothing beats personal experience. I mean, it's it's always it's always easy to be a doctor when you're not on the patient's uh, side of it. It's just because you tell them and you, but you don't feel it. You don't feel the, the 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 sadness sometimes when you get diagnosed, especially with cancer. You you tell patients don't eat sugar, uh, don't be yeah, don't be stressing yourself out. Mm-hmm. All of those are easier said than done. But if you're the recipient of that information, man, I have like five kids to take care of. I'm so busy, I can't eat right. And how can that really materialize in reality when you're talking about something that you haven't lived through? That's why being in that condition puts you in an advantage because you were in those shoes before. That's why when I tell patients who are, for example, who are overweight, hey, I was like that. I know how you feel. And that's the truth. I'm not lying. I really know how, how being overweight is. That's just the biggest advantage. You have to be sick first in order for you to realize to take action now rather than later. I think that definitely resonates with patients more too, instead of having a provider say, do this, this was in my training, as opposed to saying, oh, I've been there. Because you don't really hear that that often, especially when I've seen providers, I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're always talking about, oh, this is what I read in the book. Yeah. Uh, this is what I saw from another patient. But that's that. That's different. If you're in those shoes, man, you, you're going to be, yeah, you're going to be doing more than that. So in terms of homeopathic medicine, because I'm assuming a part of that is well-being, right? And this idea of health and wellness. So how do you define well-being? Well-being is very subjective. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to different people, different walks of life, different socioeconomic statuses out there, they all have different definitions. But uh, for me, well-being is the state of being happy, healthy, prosperous. And again, that's I'm basically quoting Merriam-Webster here on how they define well-being. And when I say subjective, because I've seen so many people, many patients and met them through my my lifetime and they define it so in so many different ways some would define it as money finances health family so everybody's different but in short anything that can make you feel happy and contented and contented in life that's basically kind of the gist of well-being and on a holistic point of view i i focus on well-being defining it as mental emotional spiritual and and physical all these aspects needs to be in balance in order for you to feel that wow yeah i'm i'm in a state of well-being i'm being well and being healthy and the thing here is there's so many and how you define all those different aspects for example when i mentioned mental 
we're talking about people might think it's all about sharpness in academics. Uh, when you say emotional, having a good outlook in life, spiritual, connecting with a higher being, and for the physical part, being even disease-free. That's why there's so many levels and uh, understanding of well-being. But on my end, this is what I focus on. And I need to understand this for myself in order for me to see this in my patient. So practicing what you preach, right? Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, as you've mentioned, essentially the different dimensions of well-being. How do you incorporate that into your practice when you are meeting with your patients as compared to when you did before in conventional medicine? Conventional medicine, as, as taught to us, we actually use the familiar scenario when you yourself, I'm sure you went to your doctor, your family doc, and you would see the common type of medicine that, hey, I'll see you for five, 10 minutes. Here's a prescription. Tell me what's wrong with you now. And we'll come back and uh, check up on you after a few days. Let's see if that med medication works. That's the typical picture of, of medicine right now in, the, in, in our world. And this I've done before. And I, I've, trust me, I, I kind of label myself as a mechanic for that. Why is that? It's not because I'm holding on to a wrench. It's because I'm only assessing symptomatic problems for the patient, just addressing the physical. And with addressing the physical involves me to write you prescriptions. Here's for your pain. Here's for your blood pressure. Here's for your blood sugar. And again, if also if I need to refer somebody, hey, if somebody has a broken bone, let me refer you to orthopedics and they'll uh, fix that for you. Or you have a broken heart, I'm, I'm not going to send you to the love doctor, but it's going to be cardiology. <laughs> and the, the one closest really to addressing the, the insides of the patient is psychiatry or psychology. They treat the mind as, as they claim. But the problem here is they treat the mind with medications medications that actually has equivalent side effects that are very uh, detrimental to the patient. And, and that's the thing. When you have that baseline, that's not good that if that's your foundation. In our practice or in my practice, I practice holistic medicine. And this is probably me jumping over on the other side of the fence and being a certified homeopathic doctor, uh, I actually, or MD, I actually consider myself as a farmer. Why is that? It's because I cultivate the rich soil of the being, meaning, again, I assess these different levels that I just mentioned to you a while ago and try to find out how these levels affect disease, the physical disease that people are manifesting. And the holistic approach actually is a, is a deeper belief that the mental, emotional, and spiritual are roots of, of our physical manifestations. And integration of these approaches is, is seen through different modalities that we, we practice here. One is always holistic for me is always the first option rather than conventional, just because I know natural methods can be used to treat the spirit, the body and the mind. And it's also safer and it's always, yeah, you won't go wrong with natural approaches. Uh, one, one of our arsenals that we, we use here would be Part of our arsenal would be homeopathy. And this is energy in medicine in the form of tinctures. And they're from herbs, from, from different uh, minerals, but these are in small doses and it stimulates the body to work at its best. 
Another one would be electroacupuncture, uh, even traditional acupuncture. We do that to remove blockages and just to freely detoxify the body. And detoxification agents, we do that in the IV room. We give chelation therapy to remove heavy metals. Uh, Biooxidation to give more uh, oxygen to our dying cells. And vitamin therapy for nourishment. We're in bypassing the gut and we give the nutrients through the bloodstream. And even you've heard about Chinese herbs and supplementation. We do that as well. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't want to disregard the fact that this is just what we do, but we always have this two-faced approach to everything. If somebody needs conventional medicine, we are definitely going to go into that aspect. For example, a massive infection is just happening right now. You can't treat that with herbs or, or you're going to put that inpatient in danger of sepsis or massive infection spread. But we have to give antibiotics on the spot. That's why our practice is focused on balance, a balance of being holistic and at the same time conventional. So it really is that integrative health approach, it sounds like. Yes, yes, definitely. It's pretty incredible just to hear all the things that you all offer at Biointegrative Health and even just comparing it to when you visit a doctor, as you said, because you're right, my visits are usually 10 minutes. And because I'm mm-hmm. as healthy, even if I go in and I had suffered from chronic fatigue before, all these other things, I appear healthy. So it's like, oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, you can't even uh, say hi to your doctor because they, they just zoom in, zoom out. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. So it is really incredible what you all are doing. And I'm curious, too, if you'd be willing to share a client story with us just so we can kind of get more depth into how you do your practice. Yeah, yeah, of course. The um, I guess uh, may uh, are you maybe are you pertaining to how, how I apply the approaches that we have? Is that what you? Yeah, definitely. So anything you're willing to share, even if it's someone with pre-diabetes or someone just coming in because they have chronic fatigue. I mean, how you address that? That that's a pretty good topic that you got there. Now, chronic fatigue. So we see chronic fatigue patients here. And majority of the time when when we see them, we're kind of like the last line of defense for these patients. They already have seen their primary doc already. And, and they probably had gone doctor shopping. The, th- the thing there is when chronic fatigue, you just need to check every aspect of everything. So this patient has been getting his medicine for his thyroid. And also for chronic fatigue, he's also been getting testosterone shots. Uh, the thing there is it's not working. So he's been through so many different doctors. The thing there is when we, we saw him, of course, we, we knew these problems, but we, we investigated on deeper details. For example, uh, we asked him about, of course, spiritual, uh, even uh, mental, mental uh, I guess, problems that he went through, we just suddenly found out that he actually had um, PTSD. Mm. So PTSD was never diagnosed by these previous doctors. The thing is with PTSD history taking, you can't get that in five minutes. That's a problem. When you sit down with a patient, that's with, for like what? Our average consult most of the time would be minimum an hour and max would be an hour and a half or two even but when we sat down that's when i found out that man if somebody just asked him the right questions this could have been a preventable problem and and that's the thing 
it, it was never it was never addressed by by anybody. And when we found that out, of course, we, we addressed that. We helped them through acupuncture. We actually, we needed help from psychology also for PTSD. So by the way, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. And with, with that condition, you cannot treat that with just a simple sit down with the patient. You need to ask somebody what really happened. And Lo and behold, when I asked him that question, had anybody asked you about these specific issues? Nope, because they don't want to spend time with me. They just want to give me something to take for my problems. And, uh, and that, it, it, that's all what it took to get this person into the healing process again. And we, of course, we did acupuncture. With the, he also had some nutritional deficiencies because of his neurotransmitters not uh, in balance. So we gave him IV therapies as well, but we also needed the help of psychology to come in to, of course, address the, the hidden trauma of, of this specific patient. And that's why I always emphasize that you, you cannot have five minutes just to treat uh, a person. You need a little bit more of that. It's so challenging too, because I know from the provider perspective in conventional medicine, that really is all the time that they have. So they're working under these parameters that are just not self-serving and they're not serving to the community either. Unfortunately, yeah, that's the sad reality of everything. And again, this is the system that we're working through. Yeah. It's that we, in my previous practice, we do not get paid. If we see what, five patients a day, it always has to be 20, 30, or even 40. It's all about the numbers. Unfortunately, that's how medicine is. I don't want to use the word cattling people inside your medical practice, but if you look at, from, look at it from afar, it's look, it looks like that. Yeah. So I am curious too, what is the status of this patient and his chronic fatigue? Now the patient is actually improving. Uh, the thing here is, of course, as we move along, uh, when you have thyroid issues uh, and also hormone issues, so... As you get older, you need to balance like testosterone and thyroid levels as well. And this, of course, nutritional uh, assistance, meaning he was not eating the right type of food, uh, food groups. We were re it was really an approach of, of an integrative style that this case needed. You cannot fix this with thyroid pill or just a simple injection of testosterone. And right now he's really doing well. He is back almost like 80, 90% from where he was before. Wow. But again, um, he, he always needs a little tune-up. So we, we do tune-ups to our patients here and give them IV therapies and they need to be on supplements. I, I, I have to emphasize on supplements because people think it's just a waste of money and they pee it out. Mm -hmm. But I, I always tell patients, hey, we're always deficient. That gut of ours is not in the best of shape, even for myself. Uh, well, you didn't ask me. I'm going to tell you. I'm <laughs> taking supplements already. Uh, I mean, my supplements are like almost 9 to 10. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, at this age, you're thinking, what? Is he crazy? No. It's just the, the reality of everything, that the body needs assistance, especially in the times of stress. Everybody's running 24-7 like a locomotive. You're, you're depleting something in your system that you thought, oh, man, I'm tough. 
I'm bulletproof. I'm going to go through life like this. No, you're not. Unfortunately, everybody just pays the price in the end if they don't know what they're doing. And I know people that do that and they just say, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, <laughs> and, and that's what that's a good line for people who are so used to chronic stress. And that's the problem. When you hear that, oh, man, and they, they're going to tell you, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm so used to working like seven days a week and I sleep light. You know that the adrenal glands are so uh, like in, in overtime mm-hmm. that one day, one day you're going to crash. I'm telling you. Uh, th- that's what I warn my patients because uh, I know a good example would be single moms. I see them a lot and, and they work like clockwork. And I tell them, man, you just can't do that. I know you have kids, but you need to have time for yourself. You need to give yourself a break. Even though your body's not talking right now, it will talk to you in, in the long run and tell you, man, you should have not have done this to me. You must get a little bit of resistance when you say take time for yourself, especially for the average person that's really busy. So what do you say to them when they respond to you? I don't have time to do that. What do you mean? Right. Crazy thing to say. Well, yeah, that is true. But when are you going to have time? Mm-hmm. It's always a good example. It would be students. You're a student, so you you know what I'm talking about. You're just, oh, man, I have one more house deadlines. I have all these things going on. I can't even breathe. But the thing there is you you just need to find that that space. I mean, everybody has their different uh, adaptive mechanism. Uh, Even I tell them that I'm not asking for, what, 24 hours of you not doing anything. It's really more of, for example, uh, I I have a, a case right now that, yeah, deadlines, homework. I tell them meditate. Meditation for at least what five to fifteen minutes a day. And the studies about meditation is so surmountable oh, yeah. that you cannot refute that. And I, I'm telling you, you just need to rebalance everything in your system, especially hormone endorphins or adrenaline. That's one of the things that everybody's running on right now. And when I tell them that. I can't do it. Hey, man. Uh, I mean, uh, I wish you would have time for it, but it's just that it doesn't work like that. You're really hurting yourself more than being a benefit for yourself and for the people around you and your loved ones. It's just not an option, really. Yeah. Uh, even for me, I'm running like crazy at work, doing all these these patient uh, paperwork that I have, seeing patients actual upfront. Even myself, I, that's a that's a, an actual, uh, in uh, I guess attack to myself that I, I sometimes I neglect that, but I feel it at maybe at the end of the week. But if I'm not going to tell you, your body will trust me. Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> like you said too, it's not really an option. People don't have a choice, but it's shifting that perspective so that people see the benefit. You know, mm-hmm. you're very busy. You're a single mom. That's a lot. You know, I can't speak on that perspective, but even. Right out those five minutes like you said is just going to help you to show up more in those different Mm -hmm. areas that are called for right and even even eating right i tell them that you're doing yourself a disservice if you're you you tell me that you're always eating fast food i mean sure you can eat fast food but you can have healthy choices for fast food uh there you just need to know where you're going and what to get and if you have time even just a few minutes, you can make your own homemade meal, take it to to work or to class. I mean, I mean that's really pushing it, I know. 
because uh, sometimes even students, right? I really don't have time. I can't make a sandwich for myself. All right, go to a place where you know there are healthy choices for you. You don't go to, uh, I don't want to put uh, the, the brands out there, but you don't want to get fast food that you know is junk. And you just keep on doing that to yourself over and over again. It's tough too, because as a student and you know, at the graduate level, I hear these stories all the time. And obviously I'm coming from a different perspective as a health coach and being really involved and passionate about integrative health. But mm -hmm. it's almost like the narratives that people are addicted or attached to. You want to say that you're so busy and that you don't have time. And yeah. it's like something that you're touting around. When I hear people and I hear them say, but I've been playing video games, you know, all night long. <laughs> or you know, that's how I de-stress or I'm just eating all this food late at night. And I, it just, I hear little things that can easily be attuned to, which would even help you in school and turn mm -hmm. things earlier. And, and so right, right. it just is, it's so interesting to hear and frustrating at the same time, but I also get it. That's, that's kind of mm -hmm. where my habits are formed too, I think, when you're a student. Yeah, and you're right, because uh, you, you're living the life now. And I was a student, even now, I'm still a, a student of life. <laughs> and always learning. That's the thing with, with the hectic schedule. You, you always kind of forget about yourself. And again, I, I felt that. Uh, I was chugging on caffeine when I was in medical school. That was the one that's keeping me running. But after one episode of me almost, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Because that caffeine dose that I got was really so high that, man, that was it. I thought I was go I'm going to go to an emergency room. And that, that totally made a difference. It's a wake-up call for me. Yeah. And I hear a greater sense of awareness from you, too, because I think a lot of people, when they experience those things, they also attach it to, oh, that's just my normal. Yeah. People don't experience what it feels like to feel balanced. Well, the thing is, you don't know what it feels anymore because you're in a state of chronicity uh, of, of stress you're always exposed to it but that's why that's where he believe me when i found out about meditation when i found about yoga um tai chi all these things i could have not imagined i would have been doing this now when i was probably practicing conventional medicine but it really has to start with you the thing that the things that you want to to let your patients apply, you really can't. You have no right, basically, talking about it if you yourselves have have not tried that on your own. I mean, yeah, I, I've seen so many practitioners, colleagues that, uh, yeah, take here, take a pill. Uh, there's no more. There's not much side effects to that. Just take it. They're coming from a a place that. You don't know. Everybody's different. And, and that's why it's hard for me whenever I, I give a, a medical advice about a medicine. I always tell them that there's always a chance that this might happen. I do not want to give them false reassurances about everything. Just because I don't know. I read about it. But uh, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen the effects on other people. But I really can't tell you what it is until I, I try it. Like, so I can really vouch for meditation. How it changed me a lot. How it lowered down my heart rate my stress response, and even, yeah, just uh, just doing it for five to 10 minutes a day, that definitely totally changed my life around. And that I can definitely like, I, I can jab that as long as I want to my patients because I, I actually have done it. 
And there are so many resources out there too, because I integrated meditation and just that alone, like you said, and I think attuning more to what's happening inside and what's going on can also Mm. reflect externally into the choices that you make and the food that you intake and all those other areas and dimensions that you said. Right. And everybody's different. Again, as I always tell them that what I do doesn't mean you have to apply to yourself. You have to find your own methods. And I have patients who, oh, I, want, I like to go to, on a hike. And that makes me uh, feel calmer because I'm around nature. Or I, I, I even, uh, some people watch Netflix. Okay, sure, go ahead. If that's your R&R, that's where you get your mind off of things. Sure, as, as long as it, it gets that parasympathetic nervous system up again. It's more of the fight and flight. Uh, if you lower that down, everything goes back to normal. Here's a, here's a pretty good clue for you. If you're actually not having a bowel movement every morning, there's something wrong. For the reason that that's the best time the bowels move and when you're in parasympathetic mode, meaning you're in a relaxed state. So... Yeah, having having that specific clue, and I hear that from the history of patients, gives me something to work on already. And not not that it's because of fiber, but I know uh, there's some stress ongoing with with that specific patient. Okay, so for folks that are listening, you heard it here. If you are <laughs> in the morning when you wake up, something's probably going on. Don't force it. You're gonna get a hemorrhoid. <laughs> I think that's a really good indicator. That's also something I've heard from you, not sharing their information, but being constipated or just not having regular movements. And as a regular goer, I always think, oh my gosh, that's got to be so painful. Right, right. And then these are subtle things that you pick up when you we talk to people. Mm-hmm. And people think, oh, the, yeah, she, it's just bowel movement. It's just nothing. But as we, as I experience this, uh, as I see patients, these are subtleties that might lead to bigger things. So just start paying attention. I mean, I just hear people too, but no, I just have to have my morning coffee and then I'll go. But if I don't have it, I won't go. Here's a good example for you too. You brought that up, coffee. Everybody who needs coffee as a waker upper, you better check your adrenals because the body needs to work without any help. If you're like sluggish and you're always saying, oh, I need coffee, I just can't uh, start my day without it. No, uh-uh. You, you better, it's either you're on a caffeine addiction or your adrenals are shutting down and you need something to pick you up. I hear that a lot, mm-hmm. more often than not. What about people that just love the taste and the smell of it? Would you recommend that they just do decaf for a couple days? Then mm-hmm. it's just switching it up? I do have patients like that. It's more of habitual for them. It's not rather than getting the caffeine kick. I want to caution you. You mentioned about decaf. I myself, I don't promote decaf because of the processing that occurs with decaf. There are actual insertions of chemicals and uh, fillers during that specific process of decaffeination. That's why I'd rather have patients take, I'd rather have you take caffeinated Mm -hmm. uh, because it already got processed to the point that it's not natural anymore. And that's kind of like the cheating part of what everybody does. Oh, I'm going to take uh, decaf since it's going to be close to nighttime and I still want to get my coffee. But you're doing yourself more harm. And when you talk about the people who just, oh, I just want to smell it. I just want to, yeah, I just want to have a, a feel holding that warm cup and hugging it tight. 
How about just smelling it? Don't drink it. No, I don't think that's going to work, right? We're talking about drugs here. <laughs> just, you know. <laughs> well, here, it's, it's different when you're really, you, you would know yeah. that there are people who just, yeah, I just like take a, a sip or two or even half. One cup is fine. And, and that's okay. It's different when you're going to talk to me about, I need two to three cups just to get myself. And, and these stories are very evident. They would just see that, oh, man, I'm just not the same without that coffee. And now the question is, if I remove that coffee, would you be normal again? If they said, no, don't take it away. That's very alarming. If they say, yeah, I can live without it. And you know, that's when the habitual, just the, this is the having the thought of coffee with them is occurring. And that's not really a red flag for me. That's really interesting too, what you had said about decaf. I can't get that out of my head. Uh-oh. I just had no idea, but I know that coffee in general, which a lot of people don't know, general coffee that you'll get, conventional coffee, I guess you could say, has mold and all these other things on it. There so you even- go. Yeah. If it's not organic, that's another, yeah. that's another issue right there. Because I've heard of drinking a cup of coffee and you can get certain benefits from it, right? Like there are certain antioxidants within coffee but it's probably just the ones that are good. And then you really don't want to max out is what I'm taking in from this, right? Right. And, and everything, again, this is the rule of, of, the, of, of life. Everything in moderation. Yeah. When you're actually doing it in excess, that's something that's throwing you over the edge. And you would know that. You can assess yourself that, hey, if I'm, am I overdoing it? Sometimes your inner voice will tell you that, yep, you are. But you're just lying to yourself and telling yourself it's you're not you're not overdoing it. Yeah, yeah, shush, shush, shush. <laughs> <laughs> that, that little that little voice in the back of your ear, that's uh, that's the one that I'm talking about. So everybody yeah. has this. You just have to listen to it, and that's where that's where like I was telling you, uh, outer body experiences such as I mean, yoga can bring you to that level. Meditation, if you, I'm not talking about you folding into a pretzel or even you levitating off the ground, it just takes you to a whole, to a whole different level of understanding of what, what do I feel really when I take a deep breath? How about when I breathe out? How, how does that feel? Or how does my, does my pulse go when I feel it on, on my own? And what are the thoughts that makes me angry? These little triggers, you, you will find out more when you spend time alone and in this specific special place that you have. The thing here is you would notice that how technology is blocking us from from the real world. You would see everybody wearing ear pods, headphones, always on their phone. Rather, they're gonna walk on the street. They don't even know that a big bus is about to hit them because they're looking at their phone while they're crossing. All these distractions has to be, they have, they have to be minimized. I'm not, I'm not against technology because without this, our interview right now, uh, technology would pave the way for the future. But the thing here is it's getting excessive to the point that you cannot even socialize. Hey, even before COVID came, we're already, we're already isolating ourselves. We just want to be on our phones. We're already just watching TV at home, video games. So what did COVID do? It just slapped us in the face telling us that, hey, you had this already. What's, why are you complaining about? And you're already going to this direction. I just accelerated it. All these, all these distractions in our life, they're the ones that actually just makes us lose focus of what's really true and what's important, which is ourselves. Beautifully said. Oh my gosh. Just to you know, wrap things up with this final question. 
what suggest for our listeners who want to start living this healthier, more mindful lifestyle? The thing that I really want to impart to to everybody here is uh, priorities. Priorities in terms of everybody has different priorities, maybe professional, personal. But for me, I just want you to look into the mental, the spiritual, and, and the emotional part of you. Meaning when you, the common overlooked things is that I always see patients who are exercising a lot every time and living a stressful life. But behind the scenes, they have conflicts, relationships that they have not uh, mended. They actually have financial strains, divorces. Um, all of these behind the scene things that we don't see are the ones that are actually draining us. That's why the most important thing here is it's actually surround yourself with positivity. Uh, good people around you, good friends, and even all these, um, don't think about the physical much. I mean, you will, you should, because that's part of the whole system. It's just that the overlooked points should be should be emphasized more. And that's why when I told you about meditation and even prayer, I mean, I, I know it's different for every religion out there, but having a higher, uh, higher being controlling your fate or aligning you or guiding you through your struggles in life is already grounding. And that already is healing. Uh, if you, if you, if you know that there's some, somebody out there who is, is giving you all these, these gracious and gracious blessings. And the thing here is meditation always individualize. Again, there's no specific way of doing this. You can go online, you can go on a website and find your own, but it's always about the reset the cleansing of the insides. And uh, there are various methods, various methods that I, I mentioned to you a while ago. It's really up to you on what to choose. And even the, the best ones that I really can tell you about, and a good example would be the Tibetan monks. The Tibetan monks, you know, they're always meditating. They're always just in a, in a serene place. And studies or even a research study was done on them. They were the ones who has the higher melatonin levels and DHEA and lower cortisols, thus vouching for the longevity of their lives, not only physically, but also deep inside. It's true. They do do a lot of research on them. It's very interesting. Yeah. So gathering from everything that you've said today, too, for someone that wants to get started, like I had just asked, moderation is key for everything prioritizing even if it's just five minutes for yourself meditation can look like hiking right mm -hmm. that's one of the things that you said and then potentially exploring other options too because truthfully we can't do it alone and i think about apart from a positive support system going to see practitioners like yourself can you highlight how one would seek out your services well, the, the thing here is we, we always come up as, of course, when you Google us, we come up as your regular doctors. And that's, that's the thing. It's hard to, to find that now unless you really, most of the time we do Google searches. That's what it is. And when you want to start with that, you always want to do or add the search word for integrative practitioners. So that's kind of like the, the, new, the newer label for, for our type of practice, integrative medicine. And when, when you look into that deeper, then you find, uh, of course, they're going to get you to their website. And that's when you'll see that this is not the regular practice that uh, is out there. Because you would see uh, on the website, 
that we offer different interventions and interventions that encompasses all the, the, pl the planes or aspects that I just told you about. And that's how you find all the in integrated practitioners. And uh, the, another one that we, we kind of get a lot of are referrals, meaning if we actually treat somebody, of course, the best advertising that you would have there is word of mouth and people will just gravitate towards you just because of the good things that you do. Definitely. So we'll make sure to put that in the show notes, especially for people living in Northern Nevada, because that is where Biointegrative Health is located. Definitely check them out. Thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. Get away from your caffeine. Kit. I know. And get away from your <laughs> <laughs> If you are interested in finding out more about Dr. Melvin Nario's services with Biointegrative Health Center International, you can find them at www.bihcireno.com. There's a phone number there on the website. There's plenty of resources to get you started, so definitely check that out. Thank you.